Hello, it's Peter Wright and Kathleen Beauvais in Ontario, Canada, with episode number 130 of The Yacking Show. That's right, we're nearly a third of our way to the second century of this show. This is the show for awakening you to new perspectives for the very changing world we find ourselves living in. First, I must welcome my co-host, Kathleen Beauvais from Waterloo. And just to put a plug in for Kathleen, she wears another hat, and it's called... Kerry Tech Solutions, and she helps people find IT talent. But that's enough for now. I will ask first, hi, Kathleen, how are you doing? <laughs> hi, Peter, I'm doing great. And thanks for the plug. I really appreciate it. That's great. And I was going to ask you to introduce our guest before I welcomed you. So I apologize to everyone for that. <laughs> Over to you. You do the honors for our guest. <laughs> no worries. And first, we want to thank you for joining us today. We, we so appreciate you and we love reading your comments. So please keep those coming. And if anyone out there is interested in being a guest on our show, don't hesitate to reach out to either Peter or myself. And as Peter mentioned, we have a special guest with us today and we're very excited to have her. Please welcome. Uh, Le I knew I was going to miss this. I'm sorry. Liesel. Liesel. <laughs> Liesel Ulrich Vertiber. Hello, Liesel. How are you? Hello, today? hello. Good, good. I know, I know it's quite a mouthful. You know, it, it's, fine. it's fine. It's a beautiful name. It's a beautiful name. I just I was wasn't sure about the pronunciation on Liesel. No <laughs> I've heard so many variations on it. I've heard Liesel Ulrich Vanderberger. I've heard a lot of different things. I think you nailed it. But I, I've got to jump in here. I don't know why, but when I hear Liesel, it makes me think of Sound of Music. I oh, don't know. Yes, was, well, there, was there a Liesel in Sound of Music? Yes, there is. It's oldest okay. daughter. My parents, my parents were on theme there. Uh, so there you go. There we yeah. go. My, uh, my, one of my very all-time favorite movies. But anyways, um, so Liesel, you had the organization called Ever Widening Circles, the mission of this organization is to change the negative dialogue about our times. And um, so for our audience, can you tell us a little bit about your background and what led you to start this beautiful mission? Yeah, thank you. Yeah, so Everwidening Circles is an online publication and now community uh, that, um, like you said, is on a mission to change the negative dialogue about our times. And we do that by celebrating the insights and innovation that prove it's still an amazing world. And um, how we got there is kind of a little sideways. Um, I ended up there after I graduated from college, but um, the organization itself was started by my mother, um, Linda Ulrich, uh, Dr. Linda Ulrich. Um, she had been a dentist for, I think at that point, 25 years. Um, and she had the kind of practice where they were really working to keep the humanity in healthcare. And um, she one day got a, an email from a, a young patient of hers who she'd known since he was a toddler. And um, he had decided to join the US military and um, uh, had ended up in Afghanistan or Iraq, I can't quite remember. And he sent her an email saying, you know, Dr. Linda, I'm seeing sort of this darkness around me and I don't see anything positive. You know, is there anything, why should I keep going? And she looked around the internet she didn't know his politics but she was just trying to find a place that was celebrating the good happening in the world and she couldn't she couldn't find it there was no place that didn't have some crazy political slant or pop-ups happening all the time and this is back in 2014 so she couldn't find any place that was just celebrating the good things that were happening in the world and so my mom being my mom um she decided to build the website herself and so it started a little bit as a blog 
but she just started writing one article every day um, on any subject under the sun that proved it was still an amazing world. Uh, and then when I came along uh, the following year after graduating from Harvard, um, I really got into it because I wanted wanted students um, to be able to see that same positive perspective on the world. Um, and then from there, I loved, I fell in love with the business side of things, um, really started to break down my cynical nature that I developed. And um, that's how I ended up with Everwriting Circles. And we really tried to grow it from a blog into now a, a full-blown media company. So it has been quite a journey over the past six or seven years. Wow, it certainly sounds like it. Eh? And, and you've partly answered what I was dying to ask you, and that's how do you go about countering all the negativity in the world? As I agree with you and your mother, there's far too much negativity. And uh, mm -hmm. in, our, in our little way, that's some of the background of this yakking show. We started at the beginning of the coronavirus thing to try and spread some positivity because everyone was so full of doom and gloom when we when we were looking at two weeks to flatten the curve and little knowing it would be a lot longer so yes. we, we notice it too we try in our own little way to to help so how do you do it how do you go about countering negativity yeah so i think it really helps to explain how we got to so much negativity um and so it, it's a, this strange combination the first part of it is of course the 24-hour news cycle right if we have to continuously putting out things out there, especially news. The unique thing about news is that it actually doesn't happen all the time. Um, because It's newsworthy because it's a novel, right? Mm -hmm. um, but, and so what we're really reporting on are things that are tiny percentages. The bad is, is a very small percentage of what's actually going on. I agree. But yeah. because it is, it's newsworthy, right? But when we have the 24-hour news cycle, we need something to talk about 24 hours. So we're really trying to find every bad, unique thing that's happening and okay. to, to fill up the air, right? Mm -hmm. So you combine that with the problem of the human brain is really good at recognizing patterns. And what the human brain does is it will conjure to mind first what it sees most. So that used to be very, very helpful back in the day. You heard a twig snap and you knew it related to something bad coming after you in the woods. And so you got out of there. But for us now, that means that we're walking through the world with a high amount of fear because what we know of the world from our spheres of media or our news outlets is that it's constantly bad, right? Mm -hmm. But in reality, there's a balance. Um, there are so many people that are doing good in the world that are going uncelebrated, that are mm -hmm. saving the rainforest with old cell phones, that are using goats to stop wildfires, that are doing all these incredible things, but we don't hear about them because generally the work that they do is very slow. It's mm -hmm. happening and progress is happening, but progress is happening daily at a slow level. So by that account, it's not necessarily newsworthy, right? So really what we have to do when we talk about how do we see more positivity? How do we, how do we engage more positivity? It really does start with understanding why we see the world so negatively and what news and newsworthiness is, because then we can start understanding that, it, that there, there is a balance, that there is a balance out there. We just have to know how to find it. So I think my next question, I think you've, you've somewhat answered it because it, it seems like people are drawn to hearing about atrocities and everything negative. I mean, certainly that's what's being fed on mainstream media. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So is there something in us, do you think that that is drawn to those stories versus the good news, the, the fuzzy, you know, the, the I don't know. I, I personally would prefer to hear a, a wonderful good news story that rather than an atrocity, but I know a lot of people are drawn to that. What is that? Right. So the human, what I think is really interesting is that I think it was the New York times did a study on what articles got the most share. 
shares. And the news articles that got the most shares were the ones that elicited fear, anger, or awe. So the awe one, I think, is the most interesting here. Mm. So our brains, like I said, it's like a learning to see the world in positive terms or seeing more or, or finding more positivity. It's like a muscle that you have to flex. And we have this great process we walk people through called the, the four shifts. And the first one that it, it becomes like a, a matter of mindfulness, right? It's a habit for us to be drawn to negativity. It's a habit for us to engage in that, those downward spiral conversations, mm -hmm. right? It is so much easier for us because we're so inundated with negativity to say, oh God, the weather is so bad this week as the first thing we say to a stranger. How peculiar of us, right? <laughs> so when we, when we talk about the four shifts, the first thing that we do in the four shifts is we tell people to pause, right? Like pause when you're about to say something, when you're about to click on something negative, just pause and ask yourself, does the world need more of this? Do I really need to share one more gloomy thing that I learned today? Do I really need to share that one more chaotic post? Is that, does the world need more of that content, whether it's spoken content or content I'm sharing on social media? And the second thing that you can do is ignore more, right? Like we can choose to ignore the negativity more often. And what happens is our brain starts to to let that go much easier. It's like when you become sort of, when you start to train your brain to ignore the things that are making you feel fear or anger or acrimony, right? And get elicit that reaction, you know, you can start to let that go and you start to pause first and then you can ignore more of that kind of content that elicits those kind of like gut sort of, I don't want to say mean, but those sort of mean responses, right? Yeah. So we can choose to do that. And then what we can do is we can seek signs of goodness and progress. And this is the best one, I think, for retraining and recalibrating what we're sensing. A great story for this is my mom had a friend who went to the grocery store and my mom happened to be going to dinner with her afterward. And she was so mad. This is the beginning of the pandemic. They had no masks. Everybody was, all these people were like, had their masks down below their nose. They were doing this. They were doing that. She was so incensed. She was so angry. And my mom said, wait a minute did you notice anything good about any of your interactions? And she could remember one thing. And so my mom said, you know, try this next time you go to the, the, the grocery store, force yourself to count the number of positive things that you see, the number of people that make room for you in the aisles, the fact that they have Purell at every single corner, or they have the Clorox wipes by the, by the carts, count the number of positive things and see how you feel after your next trip to the grocery store. And so she did. And she found that she could count 30 positive things and only three or four negative things. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So as we start to retrain our brains, as we start to notice and seek signs of goodness and progress, those will start to be the things that bubble up to the top. Remember how I said our brains will see things more often if we mm -hmm. are, if we, if we, if we see them more often, notice more often, if we see them more often that you can retrain your brain for that. And the last and most important thing secondary to that is to share signs of goodness and progress. And this is how we keep sort of passing it on to other people, right? Instead of engaging in these toxic downward spiral conversations, when we get on the phone with a loved one, or we get on a zoom call with our coworkers, instead of saying, Oh, it's such bad weather. Did you hear about this tragic thing? The universe is on fire. Um, instead pausing and saying, Hey, did you hear about this person that's doing a really good thing in that town? Or when someone does bring up the negative thing, being armed with the knowledge, um, to, to add in, 
I don't want to say a positive thing. I'm not trying to be Pollyanna, but rather something to balance the conversation. Mm -hmm. um, for us, it's really about, you know, we know that the rainforest is on fire. We know that there are forest fires happening, but there are people that are working really hard in innovative ways to combat those problems. And if we are sharing those stories, those people get more support, those people get more funding, and those people can, can keep doing the work that they're doing while also having conversations that are more positive and productive with one another. I, I mm -hmm. have a spin-off uh, question then. Uh, because of what's happening in the world right now, and we're hearing about it all the time, 24-7, uh, there's a fine line between, well, I, I don't know, maybe with your expertise, you can tell me between increasing people's awareness of what's happening in the world and what they can do about it and always putting positive, I, I guess maybe I've just answered my own question, putting positive spin to what's happening in the world. Mm -hmm. um, but yet we want to make people aware of what's happening because there's a lot of people that may not be aware of, of some yes. of the stuff that's going on and you want them to be aware of it, but it might come across as, come across as negative. How do, you, how do you handle that? Yeah. So I think a great way of looking at this, I'm sure you guys have maybe let have said, I'm going on a news fast. I'm turning off the news. I'm not really I like, it's too negative. Well, we think of media and uh, news as like a diet. And I think we should really think of it as this way. If you go on a fast, you come out days confused, and then you come out probably consuming more of the thing than you, you know, you went into like not see than when you, when you started. So in, in our case, we like to think of it as a balanced diet, right? If you think of those big, heavy, important, really important. I am, I am one for find good news outlets, ones that are doing real reporting, doing news and not opinion. So, you know, you can learn to differentiate between news and opinion, find the news outlets that are really doing the news and only engage with it a few times a day, right? Mm -hmm. Imagine those big, important, heavy, you need to know what's going on if we want to change anything. Imagine those though, as like a big nutritious meal. You can't eat a nutritious meal every 10 minutes checking Twitter, if that's, if that's the sort of thing that we're doing here. You know, if we're constantly checking those heavy news stories, we're going to feel sick by the end of the day. We're going to be overwhelmed by the end of the day. But if we balance out the information that we're getting, and then in the middle, we're putting things like uh, content that is like we do at Ever Widening Circles, where it's this balanced sort of solutions-based um, content, then what we're able to do is take a look at the problems of the world that we need to be informed about, but not have leave them with a sense of world weariness or a sense of future fatalism. Rather, we can have sort of, I would say like a, uh, passionate, um, uh, fierce optimism, right? Something that we can't make change in the world unless we believe it's possible to change it. So mm -hmm. we have to maintain our sense of fierce optimism, um, which requires us to, to know about the things that are happening in the world. So I think you're totally right. It is this balance, Kathleen, of, of, of learning about the world, but not letting it soak into us so deeply uh, that we feel a sense that we're trapped and we can't do anything about it. Mm. Yeah. Yep. You're, you're sort of preaching to the converted here because I got to tell you, yeah. I, got rid of, I got rid of satellite TV seven, eight years ago. And uh, I recently got rid of Netflix as well. So I watch um, a channel that gives British and because of my background of yeah. being born in Britain and living, living in Africa most of my life, it's, it's primarily... British and Australian TV series and a lot of positive stuff, a little bit of blood and guts, but positive stuff. I don't, I don't get a daily newspaper and I have a very select list of other platforms on, on uh, 
the internet that I watch. So yeah, I, I'm very careful. There's another, I, I want to ask you something else, but, but here's a thought. I lived a very different life to most North Americans or Europeans facing a lot of danger and uh, violence and really bad stuff and survived all of it. Mm. So when people say to me, you're not at all concerned about this virus, said, you know, when you've had people putting guns in your face, you have more things to worry about. So mm. am, I, am I right in saying that if one has lived a much broader and diff different and less comfortable life, perhaps one doesn't get quite so caught up in this negativity or, or am I just clutching at straws here? No, I think that there's something to be said for if we have a broader view, we're able to see the world in, mm -hmm. and maybe that doesn't mean that we have to face tragedy, but we can still have a broad sure. view and that helps us yeah. see the world in, 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 in more, um, clearer terms, right? So mm -hmm. one of the things that I do through Ever Widening Circles is I work through education. We have an education wing of Ever Widening Circles that takes our most, our content that's good for schools and, and, and educators and, and creates many lesson plans that they can use. And what we see there is kids are really afraid of the world. Um, and I, I'm using quotes here and small problems sure. to kids are big problems to them, but relatively small problems in large terms when they're able to see that the world is much broader than the little world that they know, when they're able to see the, the complexity of the world, suddenly they're able to engage with more complex issues with a little bit more nuance, with less mm -hmm. fear, right? So I think what you're tapping into is that maybe it isn't that it's this broadness of experience that we can, if we can give students that in the best way that I think right now is, is through video content, if we can give students a broadness of experience, it gives them perspective with which to gauge the world's events and also their own personal lives, but also to be able to understand that the world around them is vastly more similar to them than mm -hmm. they, than they, than they know and think, right? If you only know of Afghanistan, the war and what's been happening and everything negative there. But then you learn that there's this like skateboarding crew that's going out of those teaching girls to skateboard and getting them to school. Like suddenly there's humanity in this place that you've always found fear in. And right. that kind of opens your perspective to be able to see that in other places. Yeah. Good, good point. I think you're right there. Yeah. So what I wanted to ask you, your thoughts, some historians, and I've got one book in particular called The Pendulum Theory, where this uh, author's traced society from Roman times to now. And he says we're going in 80-year cycles. And he calls it from mm. the, the me generation to the we. And, and it's amazing how detailed a study he's done. Everything from music to dress to everything. And, and he reckons we're at the trough, in the bottom of the trough of this strange period we're going through and in next year 2023 it'll start turning around and getting into more positive and more balanced he says we swing between one extreme and the other and we're at the extreme getting near the extreme you think there's some merit in that or do you think we're we just go for trends and uh evolution and all that i i think that that's an interesting because i was just talking about this on another podcast of the way in which Gen Z, these young people that yep. are now graduating college and younger, these, how they are, a lot of them that are driven to do good in the world are so in that we headspace. Yep. They understand that their future is dependent on a communal fixing of the environment, a communal changing of, of, of systems. And so they really are. It's so interesting. And I'm like six years removed for it. I'm like in the middle millennials, like we're still a little bit self we're not that self-centered. We're, we're trying hard here. Um, 
but uh, they're in this, the Gen Zers are really in the space about thinking of like, they feel a sense of urgency that they need to get everybody on board with them if they're going to make changes, these changes that need to happen for them to see themselves living to 100 and, and 110 or however long they're expected to live. So I think, I think there is some interesting, I'm really interested, actually I might, go, I might go read that book, but I think there is some merit to that in that I think this younger generation of people, even though we, tell, we say they're self-centered and all of these things and we make fun of their selfie videos, they're really cognizant of the communal way that that isn't just their small community, it's planetary almost, mm -hmm. um, their understanding of their place in the future and what needs to happen in order for them to be able to live long and, and prosperous lives like the generations before them. Interesting. Yes. Yeah. Can you tell our audience um, about the conspiracy of goodness? Yeah. So I know the word conspiracy gets people a little on edge, but I promise there's a good story there. So conspiracy of goodness um, is a movement, a, a way of, of a wave of goodness and progress that we've seen happening all around the world. Um, and we got the name from that, um, from a story. There's a, there's an old story. Um, essentially during World War II, there was a, um, a town in France called Le Chambon. And this town saved thousands of Jewish people, particularly children, and they did it sort of independent of one another. There was no, there was no organization. They just, there were people that just wanted to save and, and help other people. And so after the war, there was a, a famous rabbi who was giving a, um, a talk about the conspiracy of evil that was World War II. And one of the gentlemen in the back stood up and he said, we talk a lot about the conspiracy of evil that was World War II, but what about the conspiracy of goodness? You know, I was a Dutch rescuer and I couldn't have saved a family of people without the help of the milkman, the mailman and the garbage man. All of them knew that something was happening, but they all stood up together in this conspiracy of goodness. And I think what's beautiful about that is there is this wave of goodness and progress going on. It's unorganized. It is under the radar, but there are people doing good all around the world in this conspiracy of goodness together um, that need to be celebrated in that you need to share signs of goodness and progress. We don't share that they exist. A lot of these organizations don't get funded. They don't get support and they don't get to make the progress that they can potentially make. So the conspiracy of goodness for us is really this way of bringing all of those points of those pinpoints of light that, and it can be really, lonely to do a lot of good in the world, but bringing those people together so they have a community, so they know that there's support from one another um, and that they can work together in this ecosystem and find people to support them. So the conspiracy of goodness, I will also say this, the word conspiracy, if it still scares you, it breaks down into two words, con, which is with, and spirare, which is to breathe. So to breathe, uh, sorry, so to breathe together, to breathe with, um, to, to con being together, sorry, con together, spirare. Um, to breathe, to breathe together in this conspiracy of goodness is so, so important because I think we can see ourselves breathing life into a new era, into a new way of being. And I think it can be led by those that are in the conspiracy of goodness. It's, it's not an impossible dream. We just need 20, 25% of people to care and then we can make major change. Yeah, no, great. And, and there's lots uh, of other good things happening that go unrecognized on the individual oh, totally. level. If you keep totally. your eyes open all the time, you see people doing, you know, some pretty good things. So, yeah, that's great. What about um, your Amazing World Media? What, what are you doing with that? That's another exciting story, I think. Yeah, yeah. So Amazing World Media, um, we realized that there was this big, this big divide uh, in 
you know, media is sort of, we see it everywhere, especially in, in hospitals. Um, and this project got sidetracked a little bit with COVID. Um, we launched it right as COVID-19 was really becoming bad here in the United States. So it's fallen back a little bit, but it's a, um, a project that we're working on to get positive video content into hospital settings um, into business settings as well. So if you think about it, like you're sitting in the waiting room at a stressful time. Maybe you're sitting in the waiting room waiting for someone to come out of surgery. Maybe you're waiting with your broken arm in the ER. And what do we have playing on the TV? In the US, it's they had to stop playing the news because that was bad. So they turn on the weather channel. And I, the weather channel here in the US is like a man standing in the middle of a hurricane telling you about the scary thing that's happening. And by the way, I did some research turns out weather is one of the scariest things to humans because it's completely yeah. unpredictable. Right. And then on the weather channel, I like to point out how unpredictable this bit of weather that they're getting is. So it's really the whole, and then like, and then of course the ads that are in the U S in particular are for like all these different, like stress, these different pharmaceuticals for stress and depression. <laughs> it's like, well, that, that truly makes sense. So the best that a lot of hospitals could do is like get a video of like a flag waving in the breeze to sort of, you know, maybe entertain people while they waited with a broken arm. So we really saw like a huge part of what we do at Everwriting Circle is curate incredible video content. We work with these small content creators to curate and showcase their stuff on Everwidening Circles as a part of our articles. And they, we, we pitched this idea to them like, yes, please, please help people with my content. You know, a lot of these people get into it. It's really a thankless job to be a, a positive short documentarian very yeah. specific niche but luckily there luckily there are a lot of people out there so our goal with that is to take that content put it together and package it so that so that hospitals and healthcare facilities can use it as well as businesses because we are not going to be you know going up to the receptionist with a with a positive way of being or be kind to a nurse who's had a long day if we ourselves are stressed out about what we just had blaring at us in the in the waiting room so that's that's our foray into healthcare and we really can't wait for that to be able to take off after we're in this after we're out of this current moment of crisis oh that that's wonderful i know exactly what you mean for i i try to keep away from hospitals but i can remember not that long ago having to go for an extra i don't know whatever some test and being told to sit in the waiting room and wait and i sat sort of the nearest seat was facing the tv screen and it came up with the news i thought i really don't need this you know i just cut out getting it at home so i went the other side of the waiting room where i was my back to the tv screen <laughs> Yeah. It's so, and there's so much we can be doing positive as well to help educate um, patients while they're there. And another sure. great sure. thing that we see too is the potential to teach patients sort of as interstitials, the commercials, if you will, between the videos, teaching patients about what um, their um, healthcare team looks like, who's on it themselves, their own advocate, all these, who, who they're talking to in the hospital, what is their job, yeah. um, and really try and break down this, this communication barrier that a lot of health organizations are having of patients either feeling too overwhelmed to ask questions or to not know who to ask the right questions to. And so really helping to prepare the patient while they're sitting there um, to be able to go in and have a really engaged time with their provider, even if it is that allotted 15 minutes or 10 minutes or whatever it is. So I think there's a lot of good that can be done through video content. That's something I'm clearly very passionate about. Yeah. Um, and so our hope is that we can get that going um, hopefully in the next coming years. Ah, well, that's that, that's a really good idea. Excellent. So this is a business that you're putting together or a service for the greater good of all, basically. Yeah. So that yeah. Would be yeah. Something that you yeah. Would so be it'll be as a business. Yeah. So it'll be a spinoff of Everwinding Circles, using yeah. some of the and partnering with some incredible short filmmakers that we already have great relationships with. 
That is amazing. Wonderful. Mm. Very good. So I've got one for you based on your experience and, and you just listening to you, you're very knowledgeable on this. So what would you say is the most important characteristic that, that helps or distinguishes between happy and contented people and the majority who seem to be just surviving and just not really enjoying life? Where, what's the key? Mm. You know, I think it is, I think it is sort of odd. This is going to be a very odd answer. But I think it's being it's being rather content, right? I think happiness mm-hmm. is something that we we um, focus so hard on, right? We it, 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 we attain it, but we know it's fleeting. And there's a lot of research. We actually wrote an article about this. So there's a lot of research to say that content people are the ones that are quote unquote happiest. So the ones that don't swing so far up and down and up and down. And it's really in that swing, I believe, that people find the most. Um, the most pain, if you will. And if you're always, I always think it's so funny because in the US, it, you know, the, the constitution, it's like the Declaration of Independence. It says like the pursuit of happiness. That's mm-hmm. like one of the main missions of Americans is the pursuit of happiness, not the attainment of happiness, no. not the not the goal of getting, it's just like the pursuing. And I think in the pursuing is very often where we get the most disappointment. I, I'm not happy right now, so I'm going to change my job or I'm not happy right now, so I need to buy that new thing or I'm not happy right now, so I need to, Go do this next thing instead of saying, what am I really grateful for? What am I really content with in my life? And I think the more, there's a great thought leader that we feature called Suikumar. His name is Suikumar Rao. He talks a lot about this. Is like, if we're constantly swinging from happiness to sadness to happiness to sadness, you know, we find ourselves in this pendulum swing where if we find ourselves contented and feeling gratitude more often, we feel a lot more calm and the happiness will come and the sadness will come, but we will find ourselves at this even keel, this wonderful, even keel far, far more often. So that's, that's my thoughts on that. I don't know if I'm hundred percent right on them. I'm sure there are lots of other philosophers who have thought thought more about it. I think you're very accurate. Mm -hmm. And it it reminds me, I, I'm a great um, follower of the Stoic philosophers, Marcus Aurelius. And and I've done a lot of reading on that philosophy and by circumstance had to practice it quite extensively myself. I think you're spot on with that. What's that lovely little uh, quotation of Gerth's, I think? Happiness is a ball which we chase and kick with our feet as soon as it stops rolling or something. Uh, his words <laughs> yeah. a better than I, but you know, it puts it into perspective. No, right. I think you're onto, onto it. That's a good answer. Yeah. Thank you. And, and, I, and, I, and I don't think it's complacency, right? Like it's a difference no. between contentness no. and complacency. Yeah. Um, if we're in a place that does make us feel uncomfortable and we find ourselves sustained in, in uncontentedness, I think, yes, we can pursue, like, it's good to pursue contentedness, but I don't want to, I think it's, it's not great when we, when we construe happiness and contentedness um, and, and try and get to that happiness quota all the time. That's like, it's just unattainable and it's exhausting to try and get there. Absolutely. And, and what I find huge difference in North America compared to Africa, where I spent most of my life where there's a a lot of very poor people. And Mm. yet I would say, my unscientific assessment is there's a greater level of happiness in Africa amongst the poor people than there is in the first world amongst the better, better off people. And mm-hmm. some of the most contented people I met were, were people who by our estimation had nothing. They lived in a little grass hut and uh, had a bicycle and yet, boy, they were, they, they were okay with that. And you, know? And you so, know what, Peter, that was my experience in South America in Peru sure. and right into the jungle of the Amazons. I mean, I remember this one day and I'm stealing your thunder here for a moment, but yeah, uh, I remember these ladies washing their clothes in the, in the Amazon river and they were singing and they were mm-hmm. joyous and they had nothing. 
you know, in, in our eyes, in terms of material goods, they lived in, in huts and had virtually nothing. And here they are so joyous. What a lesson for the rest mm -hmm. of us, really, truly. Well, mm -hmm. I think we're out of time. Yeah, we're getting people, close to it. Yeah. Yes. How do people contact you? Yes. So the best place to, to find us is at everwideningcircles.com. Like when you drop a pebble in the pond and the ripples go out. Um, we also have a shorter one, ewc.co. So you can find us there online. Please do subscribe to our um, weekly newsletter. It's a great way to keep up with our content and get your sort of little dose of optimism in your inbox. Um, you can also follow us on all social medias. You just search Ever Widening Circles. Uh, and then if you'd like to get in touch with me personally, I'm on Instagram at liesl, L-I-E-S-L dot U-V. Um, I love when people after these interviews have questions for me further and contact me there. Um, I try and be really available over there. So please do follow us on social media. Um, join us over at everwideningcircles.com. Uh, we put out three new articles a week that are all about helping you find connection to this greater movement of, of um, goodness and progress that's happening around the world um, and give you some fodder on that be in search of goodness and progress like I talked about. Um, so come join us. And um, if you're really interested, we have a summit coming up on October 10th. We have tickets available for that. It's going to be an incredible time. We are talking to thought leaders who have found, who are living with purpose, um, and we are helping our audience do the same there. So if you'd like to join us, you can you can catch tickets at cogsummit.com. So those are the best ways that you can connect and be a part of our community. Fantastic. Right. Thank you. And I'll be sure to um, subscribe to your newsletter because I thought yes, please. articles for sure. Most definitely. And uh, Kathleen will round us off in a minute. But before I go, just good luck when you're on your new adventures that you have coming up. And we look yes. forward to following you, your, your thoughts from there. So thanks very much, yeah, Nizel. Thank you. Thank you so, so much. Yes, thank you, Liesl. And thank you all so very much for tuning in to our show. Once again, we love reading your comments. So do please keep those coming. And if anyone out there is interested in being a guest on our show, please don't hesitate to reach out to either Peter or myself. So until next time, take care. Bye-bye.